You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. What can healthcare professionals treating patients at high risk for type 2 diabetes learn from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention's new National Diabetes Prevention Program? Joining us to discuss the prevention of type 2 diabetes is the Director of the Division of Diabetes Translation at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Ann Albright. Dr. Albright, welcome to ReachMD. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. What are the numbers of people coming down with type 2 diabetes? What is the CDC seeing these days? We have been monitoring the the prevalence and the incidence, so the new cases and the existing cases of diabetes. And just to put it in context, when we look at uh, data from as early as 1958 and we follow it all the way through to to 2008, the the prevalence of diabetes has gone from 0.9% in 1958 up to about 6.3% in 2008. And in terms of numbers, that basically means um, in 1958, we had about 1.6 million people with diabetes. And in 2008, we had about 18.8 million with diagnosed diabetes. And those numbers are all for those diagnosed. We also know, of course, that um, the numbers today are, are about a total of almost 24 million people with the disease. About a quarter of those don't know they have it. Yeah, and you know, those those numbers talk about people with diabetes. Do we have any idea about the number of folks with pre-diabetes? Our most recent numbers indicate that we have about 57 million people with what we do refer to as pre-diabetes. That blood sugar is, is elevated, but it's not yet high enough to constitute the diagnosis of diabetes. Well, let's talk about what the CDC is doing now to prevent type 2 diabetes. This is an exciting time for preventing type 2 diabetes, which is, of course, the only form that we can prevent at this point in time. And uh, for quite some time, CDC, along with our colleagues at NIH and a number of other investigators, certainly have been working on how do we prevent type 2 diabetes. We know from not only the research trial called the Diabetes Prevention Program that was done here in the United States, the largest prevention trial that's been done, but we also know from randomized trials like the Deqing study in China, and there's been a study done in Finland and one done in India and one done in Japan, that all of those efficacy trials have shown us that with lifestyle uh, changes, we can indeed prevent or postpone type 2 diabetes. Now, the DPP, of course, also looked at the drug metformin and also has given us some insights into the use of that particular drug. Other drugs are certainly under investigation as well. But the DPP showed that for those at high risk, and by the way, all of the participants in these trials have had prediabetes or impaired glucose tolerance, and that's an important point to make uh, because that's the population in which we know most about how to prevent type 2 diabetes. So we've learned from the DPP that those who are uh, given access to that lifestyle, and it was a structured lifestyle intervention that focused on nutrition, primarily low-fat, low-calorie, physical activity up to 150, working to 150 minutes of physical activity a week, and coping 
problem-solving strategies, group support sorts of situations uh, when they were available in that study. But they really sh- that, that study showed that 58% reduction in the development of type 2 diabetes with that lifestyle intervention, about 31% for the drug metformin. Well, those efficacy trials are great. We need to prove that you can prevent or postpone diabetes, but we now have to be able to take that out of the research setting and make sure that it can be done in the real world. And so if you fast forward a few years now, there were some translation studies done in those intervening years, some key studies coming out of Indiana University and some work they've done with the YMCA, and then other studies, people at Pittsburgh and other places have been doing studies as well. So now we feel like we have accumulated not only the efficacy trial evidence, but this translated body of evidence, and now it is definitely time to scale and sustain a national program for the prevention of type 2 diabetes. So CDC has um, taken on this challenge and this opportunity to work with partners around the country to set up the National Diabetes Prevention Program. And the program really is the probably easiest way to describe it is that it's built on, on four pillars or four levers, whatever term you'd like to use to <laughs> sort of describe that. The first lever is training. We have to have a trained workforce in order to deliver this intervention. And, it, and there's opportunity for a variety of people to be trained, including lay workers like the staff at the YMCA or others who are trained. But the key word is trained mm-hmm. because it isn't just that you have a lot of knowledge about nutrition or physical activity, it's that you're an excellent facilitator because we have now absolutely are delivering this intervention in a group setting. It's not cost effective to do it in a one-on-one. So the training is being trained on how to manage groups, how to facilitate groups. Yeah, you need to have consistency in the message as well. Absolutely. And so that's actually the, the second lever of second pillar of the program is a recognition program, and it's exactly for what you you mentioned. You need to have fidelity and consistency with what's being delivered. It's not this sort of notion of, oh, we have a nifty program, and let's sort of throw manuals out at people and hope somebody does something with it. We really are, as CDC has stepped up to actually manage the recognition program, and we're we're in the process right now of finalizing the standards for that program. We, We are truly trying to keep them as simple and straightforward as possible, but we want to assure fidelity and quality and be able to collect national data so we can help monitor how we're doing. The third pillar is sites where the intervention will be delivered, and CDC is supporting the initiation of some of those sites, but big news, we have a third-party payer that has come on board and is actually reimbursing. Right now, they're reimbursing the YMCA to deliver the program, and that's United Health Group. So the inaugural members of the National Diabetes Prevention Program are United Health Group as a third-party payer and the YMCA, but they, of course, will not be the only payers or deliverers of the program. But this is the first time ever a third-party payer has come on board to do this. So that was a huge turning point for this work over the last year. Tell us briefly what that fourth pillar is. That fourth pillar is one people might not be thinking about, and that's actually health marketing. You know, just because you build it doesn't mean people will come. And it's important that we hear from people who are at high risk, what helps them understand and appreciate their risk. And it's important that we hear from healthcare professionals What is it going to take to help you to refer your patients and know where you can send them and have confidence in that? Hey, for just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. 
I am Dr. Stephen Edelman. I'm speaking with Dr. Ann Albright. We are discussing the CDC's role in the prevention of type 2 diabetes. Very exciting. Well, what are the barriers that prevent people with prediabetes from receiving an intervention? It certainly can be lack of knowledge. There is a lack of knowledge and understanding about prediabetes and risk. And we've actually just published a paper within the last six months that talks about the lack of of knowledge uh, that people have about their prediabetes status. And the concern that many healthcare professionals have in initiating the conversation about risk because they've said, well, we didn't really know what to do and where to send them. And so we're excited that now as we get more sites up and running around the country, healthcare professionals will know where they can send people to, to get involved in the intervention. And certainly for some, they're, they're concerned about um, getting this as a, as a diagnosis. It's concerning to them and worrisome to them. But fortunately, the good news is you can do something about this. Um, it's, it's exciting that you can indeed prevent or postpone type 2 diabetes. And so hopefully even with the concern or fear that people have or the experiences that they've had with others in their family with diabetes, they'll use that as a motivator and as a way to realize, gosh, let me do all I can to prevent this disease. As you know, I'm, I'm big into patient education. I think knowledge is power. And as soon as you can tell these folks what it really means and how it will affect them and their family. I think it's a no-brainer. Well, most of our listeners are out in the trenches there seeing patients, and they're going to be seeing the patients that are good candidates for this program. What's the role of the healthcare provider, and how do they find out about the program? How do they become one of the centers? How do they refer people? We absolutely need healthcare professionals heavily involved. This is a great example, you know, certainly through the health reform discussions, this is, they've talked about this connecting the healthcare system to the community. And this is an opportunity to actually do that, not just talk about it. The way we are hoping this is, is, and it is unrolling now and unfolding now, we'd like it to continue to be this way, and that is healthcare professionals are critical to this. We want them to be able to, not unlike the tobacco model, ask, advise, refer. We'd like you to have the conversation with your patient about their risk, identify their risk, hopefully test them to see if they have prediabetes, and then refer them. So basically ask, advise them about their risk, and refer them to the program. It is also likely that healthcare professionals may want to offer this program or be involved in the delivery of the program. It's important to point out, though, that we have to do this cost-effectively. I described the levers and the the sites that we're offering right now. Um, The Y and others that we're working with are able to deliver this program. It's 16 sessions with monthly follow-up for an entire year. They're able to deliver that for about $300 to $350 per person per year. So the bottom line, though, Steve, is that there's plenty of work to be done. So whether you are referring people to the program, whether you're actually bringing Y staff to your site to deliver the program, because that's what they are. They're a trained workforce, and soon there will be other organizations coming on as trained workforce. Or you do decide, indeed, to become trained yourself and deliver the program at your medical facility. We just all have to keep in mind we're trying to reach millions of people. We need lots of people to be doing this, but we need to maintain that fidelity and quality. Tell our listeners where they can find out information about this program. We are posting information as it is available on our CDC website. So again, it's again 
at cdc.gov and slash diabetes. We will be coming out with uh, additional web links, and we will be maintaining uh, all the information on the recognition program. We've actually uh, have an agreement with Emory University now to develop a diabetes training and technical assistance center to help us marshal those training resources. So all of those links will be on our CDC website. This is new. This is breaking. It's really we've been forming this over the last year, so we're in the process of madly trying to make sure all the pieces are are up and on the website, and that'll be happening over the next couple of months. And that's why you've been so busy. That's cdc.gov slash diabetes. I'd like to thank our guest, Director of Division of Diabetes Translation at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Ann Albright. Dr. Albright, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. July 10th. My lecture tour is going well. While the days have not been too tiring, I do worry for Marie and her diabetes. Dr. Hayedorn mentioned that her blood sugar was above normal right before we left. I hope we can find some answers while we are here. In 1922, Novo Nordisk's founder, Nobel Prize-winning scientist August Crow, and his wife and fellow scientist Marie made a fateful visit to America to further their research and build relationships with doctors working on the earliest treatments for diabetes. July 28th. We keep hearing of this new medication that replaces the insulin that people with diabetes no longer make on their own. People who treat their diabetes can live longer and healthier lives. This could be what we've been searching for. Upon learning about the work being done at the University of Toronto, August and Marie headed north to make a connection that would change the face of diabetes treatment forever. August 11th, Dr. Hayedorn, as I believe you will be interested from both a theoretical and practical point of view, I have persuaded my husband to write to Dr. McLeod in Toronto and ask to obtain its method of manufacture so you can perform experiments with insulin in Denmark. November the 1st, success. We have replicated the process here in Kermhaun and will be administering the first batches of insulin to patients by week's end. This could be the moment when we finally get control over Marie's diabetes and help so many others. From our first patient to our latest innovation, Novo Nordisk has been a world leader in diabetes care for nearly a century. Our patient-centric philosophy has led to many breakthroughs, including insulin analogs and easy-to-use delivery devices, and a global commitment to advancing research, education, and partnership. And our mission is the same today as it was back then, to defeat diabetes. Visit us at novonordisk-us.com.